Blog Talk Radio. Saying that you know the only way that we're going to win this is 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 
is kill the people with um with the rules and we're going to win by the rules and and the rules stating that the person with the most delegates gets the gets the nomination not the person with the with the most votes or you know the most money to spend and all that kind of stuff so just a very interesting read they broke it up before the caucus you know before they even voted on who was going to be the representative or the delegate for that uh, particular region and um it says that it's, um just a quote Supporters of uh, Ron Paul and Mitt Romney uh, worked out a deal to for somebody to chair the caucus, and then it somehow got broken up by this Mr. Dokes, and and that uh, some of the people were saying that he railroaded the caucus by closing the nominations for the chair too quickly. So it, it, it yields itself to a couple of different things. Whether these caucuses are organized or not, it's it, that's, a, that's a side issue. This is the way that we vote. This is how the system was set up. Now I do have other accounts of people close to me that were going to caucuses, you know, even locally, saying that they were very poorly run. That um, that people would um, put a motion out on the floor, and then before the motion was even voted on, you would have somebody say that I want to I want to have a motion also. So it just seems like you know there there are people that are informed and understand how the system works. But then yet again, you you seem to have this piggybacking of people that just want to do it for the um, I, I guess for for clout or whatever their whatever their other objective is. They don't really know how the system works, and they just go there to be seen or they go there to be a part of it, which is great. That's that's your that's your right as a citizen. But you kind of need to know what you're doing before you start interrupting votes and and things of that nature. And that just seems like it's is exactly what happened here. Now, I'm not going to say conspiracy or anything because since there was an overwhelming majority of Ron Paul supporters that they shut it down, but but um, you know it's always up for debate what actually happened. So continuing, you know, the next thing I wanted to talk about is um, the GM corn. This is uh, great news on the front if you're somebody like myself that is um, a very big advocate against uh, genetically modified, you know. Food, whether it's corn, whether it's Roundup Ready soybeans, anything like that, you know, I believe these things should be labeled, and the consumer should get the choice of whether they want to eat the GMO or the non-GMO. So, you know, the uh, the headline reads: uh, France bans GM corn amid mass U.S. protests against Monsanto. Well, duh, Monsanto is the largest GMO producing um, uh, company out there. And that's pretty much their 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 bread and butter is the um, you know the Roundup resistant seeds, all these different um, variations of um, of corn and and wheat and all these different things that they plant out there. And um, just to kind of hit you with some of the highlights of the article, um, um, it, it does talk about how they they have been finding this. Um, it's some kind of um, bioengineered growth or microbe that's been on pig manure. And it's um, it's explosive, which is kind of weird. But um, I guess whatever whatever you know whatever the pigs are defecating is turning into something that could be actually combustible. And as um, there's been some explosions killing you know a lot of animals since uh, 2001, the article states. But the great thing that came out of the article that I wanted to highlight, and this is um, this is once again getting you not only informed politically, but also getting you informed as far as what's what's out there, what you should and shouldn't be putting in your body. So it does say at the end of the article, the move to label GMO foods in the United States has grown stronger. Last week, when 55 members of Congress sent a letter to the FDA demanding that these things be labeled. That's a huge step. 
And it's a huge step in the right direction direction for humanity. It's a huge step in the right direction for people that want food freedom, that that want you know, they want the FDA out of their lives, they want to be able to make choices for themselves, but they also want to make educated choices. And I think that that's what it all boils down to at the very end is is that we need to we need to have the information in order for us to make educated choices, not have the nanny state or any of these other agencies you know, looking out for for us just because you know some of the population is lazy, or even if we're lazy, you know, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have access to the information. It doesn't mean that you have somebody tell you what you can and can't consume. So, you know, transitioning off of that, we do have um, another big development here in the um, in the Iran um, shakedown, I guess, if you will. But um, the headline reads: Mossad and CIA agree that. Iran is yet to decide whether to build nuclear weapons. So all the fear-mongering that we heard during the campaign trail about having a nuclear Iran and these are the biggest threat and all that stuff, you know, since the Coney 2012 has gone really viral, you haven't really heard a ton about Iran because what the establishment is trying to do, and my friend and I had a conversation about this earlier, is number one, we're trying to – they're trying to find a way for us to get out of this recession slash depression, and – and typically what their their standard operating procedure was was manufacture a bad guy and let's take everybody to war and that'll boost the economy and it'll boost morale and everybody will rally around the flag. Well, it's not seeming to work anymore because you do have these people out in the general public like myself that are saying, "Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. We've done this before. We've seen this song and dance before." And you're starting to see that the people are actually calling the government out on it, which is a great thing because the more informed the public is, the better that this country is going to run because not only will you have the checks and balances of the executive, legislative, and judicial branch, but you'll have the checks and balances where it should lie, and that's with the people. So to give you a highlight of the um, the article, you can read it for yourself. I, I link to it here. Um, this is actually linking to a New York Times article where it says the New York Times said a senior – American official believes that there is little disagreement between Mossad and U.S. intelligence agencies over Iran's nuclear program, despite the fact that Israel's political leaders have been pushing for quick action to block Iran from becoming what they describe as an existential threat. So very good news here on the front that the CIA are stepping up to the plate and saying, you know, we really don't have solid information that this is what these guys are doing. And with the sanctions and everything that we're putting into place, it's really starting to it's really starting to shape out and I don't know how it's going to turn out, but um I do know one thing. I don't want war with Iran and I don't think anybody in America does. Number one, we are broke as a nation and war would just push us deeper in debt to the bankers and and it'll just be a bad It'll be a bad political move, seeing as though Russia and China have already come out behind Iran and said that you know any attack on Iran is basically an attack on us, and we're we're you know they're fully ready to retaliate. And I think that the time of the United States being the police of the policemen of the world is really starting to come to a close. But you know, transitioning off of that, as I said, you can check out all of those documents that are linked on my website. But uh, transitioning off of that, I did want to talk about the main topic of today, which is going to be presidential directives, executive orders, and um, and I also want to get into a little bit of preparedness. And so one of the presidential directives that I did want to talk about, not the one that just came out um, just came out yesterday, I believe it was, or this morning, but the one that came out back 
in the George Bush administration called Presidential Directive um, 51. Now, they did release a little excerpt of PDD 51 for public consumption, and I linked to that on my website as well. So you can actually go and read the article and, and, and read the legislation on that. But basically, a presidential directive um, supersedes anything that Congress could pass that uh, we the people vote on. It it basically, in times of whether it's economic, whether it's military, whether it's a manufactured you know, a manufactured um, emergency, what have you, um, the president can in enact what's called a Presidential Directive 51. And what this does is it pretty much consolidates almost all power to the executive branch and suspends Congress. It can even suspend elections, but they don't they don't let that stuff seek out. So they give you little bits and pieces of it. So they're they're nicely worded and and they're worded by a bunch of you know high powered lawyers. So it doesn't look like it's something very, you know, something very uh, I wouldn't say a threat, but it doesn't look like a very threatening piece of legislation until you get to really get into the meat and potatoes of it. Now I do have a clip here from um, Peter DeFazio, which um, he's a he's an elective representative from Oregon, and he was actually on the. He was on the committee of the um, of Homeland Security underneath the House, and when he went to the legislative branch and said, hey, we understand that you've got a plan for continuity of government. I want to see what it is just so I can be up to speed on what the uh, legislation says and where we fall under this as far as being a part of Homeland Security. And this is what he said to the floor after he got the answer from, uh, from the higher-ups. British. I'm yield back the balance of this time for what purpose does the gentleman from Oregon rise? Without objection. Most Americans would agree that it would be prudent to have a plan to provide for the continuity of government and the rule of law in case of a devastating terrorist attack or natural disaster. A plan that provides for the cooperation, the coordination, and continued functioning of all three branches of the government. The Bush administration tells us they have such a plan. They introduced a little sketchy public version that's clearly inadequate uh, and, and doesn't really tell us what they have in mind. But they said, don't worry, there's a detailed classified version. But now they've denied the entire Homeland Security Committee of the United States House of Representatives access to their so-called detailed plan to provide for continuity of government. They say, trust us. Trust us, the people who brought us Katrina, to be competent in face of a disaster, trust us, the people who brought us warrantless wiretapping and other excesses eroding our civil liberties, trust us, maybe the plan just really doesn't exist and that's why they won't show it to us. I don't know. Or maybe there's something there that's outrageous. The American people need their elected representatives to review this plan for the continuity of government. Gentlemen's time has expired. Okay, so that was just a little piece of it, and that was actually big news back in the day, but it's kind of been pushed to the wayside, you know, since we've had all kinds of different things pop up, you know, with um, with the NDAA, and um, he does reference, which is which is pretty powerful, he does reference the uh, warrantless wiretapping that was passed in the Patriot Act, so, you know, you see these moves of, um, of government, and you see, um, if you can see the overall plan of things, this next legislation that was introduced yesterday, it's actually not even a piece of legislation, excuse me, it's just a directive, a presidential directive that Obama set out. 
which which if you read the entire thing it, it's it's pretty interesting but instead of everything being consolidated into the executive branch what it does is it gets divvied out little portions of it get divvied out and this is all due to you know the quote unquote national defense so what what i start to see happening and this is just my opinion so don't you know don't take this to the wire but if you start seeing a government come out and and they always will slow roll stuff out so so you see the NDAA roll out and you see a little backlash of that and i think that you know there was a portion of the uh, of the government that was testing the waters with this let's see how much pushback we're going to get if we say that we can arrest citizens without um without due process complete violation of the constitution you're always guaranteed due process if you're a united states citizen so so they roll that out where they say that they can they can snatch you up detain you ship you off somewhere and it's all under this this broad topic of terrorism and what they what they describe it as is um you know if you're funding or we believe that you are associated with terrorists then we can actually make a, an executive call and say that we're going to go ahead and ship you off because you are a a threat to the United States to our national security and this other legislation that just came out once again bad terminology it's not legislation it's just a directive states it just one step further talking about and I'll just read you a quote of it to promote the national defense over performance or any other contracts or orders and allocation of materials services facilities as deemed necessary or appropriate to provide the national defense is is delegated to the following agency heads so here's how they're going to do it they're going to snatch everything if if they declare, you know, national defense, they're going to snatch everything. And here's how they're going to divvy it out. So the Secretary of Agriculture, with respect to food resources, um, food resource facilities, livestock resources, veterinary resources, plant health resources, and domestic distribution of farm equipment and commercial fertilizer. So he'll be in control of all that. And then now the Secretary of Energy. He's um he's in control of everything with respect to all forms of energy, which makes sense, but once again you're you're putting the collective power of a nation into the sum of just a few, which is um very scary. Um the health and human services with respect of all health and uh, human resources, that's the Secretary of Health and Human Services. The Secretary of Transportation with respect to all forms of civil of civil transportation. All forms of civil transportation – plane, train, your car, bicycle, everything. This guy is going to be running the show, and if he says nobody goes anywhere, then nobody goes anywhere sitting in your house. The Secretary of Defense with respect to all water resources. Hmm, interesting. The Secretary of Commerce, with all respect to other materials, services, and facilities, and, and including construction materials. This is very, very, very scary. I mean, I think it's scary. You know, when my wife comes to me and says, you're not going to believe what I just read, and she's scared, 
that's that scares everybody. I mean, just look at all this stuff. And I know that it's just paper and it's just words on paper, but at the end of the day, these are things that can actually happen. These are contingency plans that they have in place saying, okay, if we're ever attacked, this is what's going to happen. We're going to grab everything. Yeah, good luck to you. Meanwhile, they got underground seed vaults. They got bunkers out in Denver International Airport. They've got an entire infrastructure that connects Washington, D.C. to Denver. But you're not supposed to know about that because you don't need to know about that. You need to know about Dancing with the Stars. You need to know about um, who's going to win the NCAA tournament. And believe me, I love sports as much as the next person. But sometimes you have to unplug in order to find out what's really going on just to make sure that you're okay, that your liberties are okay. And guys, they're, they're slowly but surely becoming not okay. Our liberties are slowly but surely being taken away. And this is a gradual rollout. Governments learned over time, and they study other governments, and they have policymakers, and they have you know people that are that are much smarter than you and I that have studied trends in government, that have studied actions, reactions, what happens if this is what happens when, and they know what the trend is. They know what trend we're on right now, and they see it. They see it with Greece. They see it with all these other European nations, and they're going okay. We need to put in place something to where if something really does go wrong, we can lock all this stuff down. Which leads me to my last little my last little link on my website, which is preparedness. Guys, if you don't have a plan right now, if you don't have a bug out plan, if you don't have a plan where you're going to go, if you don't have a plan of who's going to be there and what's everybody going to bring, you need to get one. And this is not fear-mongering. This is just being smart. You know, the government's got plans for what's going to happen during financial collapse and EMPs and all that other stuff. Why shouldn't you? But they sell it to you like it's something that's completely far-fetched. If you ever watch that show Preppers, it's an absolute joke. These people are probably some of the smartest people, you know, street smarts that you could ever see. And they're like, okay, well, I don't trust this facet. I don't trust this facet of society. So I'm going to go ahead and make sure that my family and I and, and a select few of my friends are going to be okay and we're going to be safe and we're going to be protected. And then at the end of the show, they always sell it as these people are just big scaremongers. Like it's the absolute most asinine thing you could ever think of that a, that a government could ever, you know, could ever ha institute martial law or – that um, there could be economic collapse or there could be a, a bio outbreak or something like that. And it's just very disheartening to me because you know I'm starting to develop my plan. And I'm not going to tell you what the plan you need to get is and what's the best way to do it, but just have something. Talk to your family members. Talk to your friends. Have a plan. They're probably going to look at you like you're nuts, like half of mine do. Like, what are you talking about? Where are you going to go? But I'm going to take a quote from Maya Angelou, and this will really get you into the right mindset of what you need to be thinking and what you need to be talking to people about and about how you can better yourself and better prepare yourself and your family for what might happen. This is obviously worst-case scenario stuff, guys, but it's still stuff you need to think about. So it's – and her quote says, listen carefully to what country people call mother's wit. It is homely savings that are couched with collective wisdom throughout generations. I mean, she's exactly right. You know, the reason that your grandparents held, had, hid money underneath their mattress and hid it in mayonnaise jars is not because 
they were they were thinking that there was going to be this huge collapse. They've been through it before. They understand what's going to happen. You know, if the bankers declare a bank holiday, guess what? Your money goes down. Your money, the assets that you have, everything depreciates overnight or over the three-day term or whatever they, they deem is going to be. So you know, kind of going, going back to my other shows about the fractional reserve banking, you know, I'm going to put a link on my website because I was talking to a guy about this today about what really happens when you do have when you do have a breakdown. Now, I lived through two hurricanes down in Florida when I was living there, and they came back to back. So, for about a month, we were knocked back into I don't want to say the dark ages because everybody had flashlights and radios and and stuff like that and cell phones that still worked. But you didn't have all the luxuries that you have now. And that's where the contingency plan needs to come into place. And what it is, it's very hard for people that are that are entrenched in this society, that are very ingrained with technology and and with the convenience of being able to go to the grocery store to get your food and and with all these little luxuries that we live under today, I mean I mean, how easy is it to go get some gasoline? You just drive around the corner, fill up your tank or fill up your little jug or whatever, and you pay for it and you're done. So what happens when that doesn't pan out so easily? Or you do have something like financial collapse or you do have you know, martial law or any of those things. Well, everything becomes very tight. And what I saw through the hurricanes was the, the veneer that we live in in a society is very thin. And once you start taking away electricity, hot water, food – ice, those types of things, you really start to see what what humans really are. And we're obviously hunters by nature, but we're also scavengers too. So you'll see you'll see little groups banding together. And those are the groups that are gonna live, you know, comfortably for that week, two weeks, three weeks or whatever. For us it was a month because we had two weeks where there was no hot water, no ice, you know, barely any water, and this is in the middle of summer. And then we finally got everything somewhat stabilized back to normal, and then another hurricane hit, and we were back to the, back to square one again. Actually, even more so the second time. So you do have these little veneers that everybody lives in, and and what I was discussing with my friend is how how mentally prepared are you to break with this? Because preparedness is not about just having a bug out bag and not having storable food and not having water. It's how mentally prepared are you to be able to break with the false necessities that we have here. You know, your cell phone is not a necessity. It's a luxury. It's great, but it's not a necessity. And it really boils down to what what do you value and what do you need? Like how how do you how do you get these things? Well. You know, you can get storable food, you can get water, you can get all of those things, but you have to get it prior to something happening. So you have to have some semblance of of foresight to say, okay, you know, this could happen, so I'm going to prepare this way. And once again, this is not something, this is not me lecturing anybody. This is me just giving my opinion because if if you're not prepared, you're going to ask, well, I really should have done this, and what could I have done differently? So – just some food for thought. I do have a, a couple minutes left in the show. I'll open the phones up to anybody that wants to call in. The number is 602-753-1916. And I'll take calls on pretty much anything you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the new the new executive order, if you want to talk about um, the Monsanto stuff with the GMOs, I'll be, feel free to talk to you about that. 
If you want to talk about preparation, what you're doing, if you want to talk about record gun sales, <laughs> which actually came out in December that that gun sales have skyrocketed over this past year, and you know, it's one of those things that that societies are linked, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not, you can sense around you something's going on. And most people can. Most people sense that there's something not quite right with what's going on now, but they can't really put their finger on it. And the easiest way to kind of toddle along is to just go along to get along. Well, going along to get along has gotten us in a lot of trouble as a nation. And what you're starting to see right now is you're starting to see the awakening of people that want to that want to get stuff back to the way that it was. They want to get back to to having a flourishing economy, to have people, you know, have steady employment. They don't want this globalization, this globalism where you ship jobs off to to China and off to Mexico. They want to bring those manufacturing jobs here. And that's one talking point that I do agree with with Rick Santorum is where he talks about, you know, we need to bring the manufacturing back here. That's a great start. But we also have to get rid of the derivatives garbage that's absolutely destroyed Greece. Now, for those of you that don't know what derivatives are, I'll get into that in my next show because I think that, you know, when I talked about the financial system that we live in, when I talked about the Fed, that got a, a lot of a lot of people to pay attention because people want to know. So I'll get into the derivatives bubble. I'll get into you know how you can financially bankrupt the country without even really doing anything, just making them sign on to greater and greater debt. So that's all the time I have for you today. You know, tune in next Wednesday nine nine thirty, and I'll get into the like I said, I'll get into a little bit more of the money supply and the derivatives bubble and how it's destroyed not only Greece but other nations in the past. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out my site, wearenotcattle.net, and once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved.